What you think, you see, and you ultimately become. Think better, live better. Welcome to the Think Better, Live Better podcast. We're your hosts, Mark and Angel Chernoff, New York Times bestselling authors and creators of the popular blog, Mark and Angel Hack Life. Today's episode is titled, Five Things to Remember When Someone You Love Loses Someone They Love. We all know deep down that life is short, that death will happen to all of us eventually. And yet, we're infinitely shocked when it happens to someone we love. It's like walking up a flight of stairs with a distracted mind and misjudging the final step. You expected there to be one more stair than there is, and so you find yourself off balance for a moment before your mind shifts back to the present moment and how the world really is. Angel and I have dealt with the loss of siblings and best friends to illness. So we know from experience that when you lose someone you can't imagine living without, your heart breaks wide open. And the bad news is you never completely get over that loss. You will never forget them. However, in a backwards way, this is also the good news. You see, death is an ending, which is a necessary part of living. And even though endings like these often seem incredibly ugly, they are necessary for beauty too. Otherwise, it's impossible to appreciate someone or something because they are unlimited. Limits illuminate beauty and death is the definitive limit. A reminder that we need to be aware of this beautiful person and appreciate this beautiful thing called life. Death is also the beginning because while we have lost someone special, this ending, like the loss of any wonderful life situation, is a moment of reinvention. Although deeply sad, their passing forces us to reinvent our lives. And in this reinvention is an opportunity to experience beauty in new, unseen ways and places. And of course, death is an opportunity to celebrate a person's life, to be grateful for the beauty they showed us. That's honestly just a small slice of what coping with loss has taught Angel and I. And I'm sure it's taught you some things as well. But as Angel and I have recently been reminded, there's a big difference between understanding how to personally cope with loss and understanding how to help someone else cope with it. When someone you love and respect is grieving the loss of a loved one, the right words and gestures rarely come easy. So the reminders that we're gonna discuss today are for Angel and I, as we attempt to comfort a dear friend who's grieving. These aren't you know, universal clarifications. They're simple guidelines that give us a general starting point for helping our grief-stricken loved ones cope and heal gradually. Perhaps, and we're hoping, that you find value in them as well. Number one, a person who's grieving already knows that time heals wounds and they don't need to be reminded of it. When you're grieving, everyone wants to remind you that time will heal your pain but no one can seem to tell you exactly what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to cope right now. And that's all you really wanna know because it's right now that you can't sleep. It's right now that you can't eat. It's right now that you can still hear his voice and smell his scent and sense his presence, even though you know he's not here anymore. It's right now that all you seem to be capable of is crying. So despite the fact that you can intellectually know all about time's power to heal wounds, if you had all the time in the world right now, you still wouldn't know what to do with the immediate, intense pain you feel. 
Realize this and treat those who are grieving accordingly. Don't remind them that time heals. Instead, remind them that you're with them right now and that you'll be available tomorrow too. Remind them that you love them and that you're standing beside them through their grief. Remind them that they aren't going through this alone. Number two, grief doesn't suddenly disappear and some days are much better than others. When someone you love passes away or simply leaves and you're not expecting it, you don't lose them all at once. You lose them a little bit at a time over weeks, months, and years. The way snail mail gradually stops coming to an address and a person's scent slowly fades from the pillows and even from the clothes they used to wear. Everyone grieves in their own way. For some of us, it could be longer or shorter. One thing you can be certain of, however, is that grief never completely disappears. An ember still smolders inside our grieving hearts even when we've moved forward with our lives. Most days we don't notice it, but out of the blue, it may flare to life. This reality is hard to deal with. We think we've accepted that they're gone and that we've grieved enough, that it's over. And then boom, one little thing happens and we feel like we've lost that person all over again. This is exactly why caring for someone who's grieving requires incredible compassion and incredible patience. Number three, the grieving process exhausts and consumes a person, which is why you can't take their withdrawn behavior personally. Relentless exhaustion is a common side effect of grief. Just getting out of bed in the morning can be an overwhelming and excruciating experience for a while. Also, someone suffering from grief may feel okay one moment and feel completely heartbroken the next, even if the environment around them hasn't changed one bit. This can result in them canceling plans, departing get-togethers early, or saying no far more often than you'd like. Just remember, it's not about you. It has nothing to do with what you did or didn't do. These are just some of the prevalent side effects working through the grieving process. Do your best to not take anything they do personally. People can only give to others what they have, and deep grief takes almost everything away from a person. All your actions and words should come from a place of love, but that doesn't mean your grieving loved one will always be loving in return, and that's okay. When you do not take things personally, you liberate yourself. You open yourself to loving someone who truly needs you, generously and without letting needless expectations get in the way of the immeasurable amounts of support and affection you are capable of giving. Number four, a person who's grieving still wants to smile about the good times it's okay to help them reminisce. In the long run, grief can devour us or it can enlighten us. It depends on what we focus on. We can decide that a relationship was all for nothing if it had to end earlier than we expected. Or we can recognize that every single moment of it had more meaning than we dared to accept at the time. So much meaning it frightened us. So we just lived, just took for granted the time spent together every day and didn't allow ourselves to consider the sacredness of it. When a wonderful relationship ends abruptly, we suddenly see what was there all along. It wasn't just a hug and a smile, not just a long walk together, not just meeting for lunch and talking about politics, people, and another day at work. It was everything. All the little intricacies of life shared by two souls. The answer to the mystery of living 
is the love and respect we share sometimes so imperfectly. And when the loss awakens us to the deeper beauty of it, to the sanctity of a wonderful relationship that's been lost, we're driven to our knees. When this happens to someone you love, when they are mourning the loss of someone they love, help them focus on those good, imperfect times that are worth smiling about. Help them counterbalance the weight of their loss with the weight of their gratitude for what preceded the loss. Number five, grief can be a burden, but also a healthy anchor for healing and living well. As human beings, we sometimes get used to the weight of grief and how it holds us in place. For example, you know, from my own life, my brother will die over and over again for the rest of my life. And I'm okay with that. It keeps me closer to him. That's a way of me reminding myself that grief doesn't disappear. Step by step, breath by breath, it becomes a part of us and it can become a healthy part of us too. Although we may never completely stop grieving, simply because we never stop loving the ones we've lost, we can effectively leverage our love for them in the present. We can love them and emulate them by living with their magnificence as our daily inspiration. By doing this, they live on in the warmth of our broken hearts that don't fully heal back up. And we will continue to grow and experience life, even with our wounds. It's like badly breaking an ankle that never heals perfectly and that still hurts when you dance, but you dance anyway with a slight limp. And this limp just adds to the depth of your performance and the authenticity of your character. Just knowing this and keeping it in mind, I think, can help us help our grieving loved ones dance again, gradually. So Angela, you know, you've lost your brother. We lost a mutual best friend, Josh. I mean, Josh was even closer to you. This is a, it's a tough topic. It's something that it's tough to speak openly about it. What has helped um, you cope and you help um, your loved ones who are grieving alongside you, right? And maybe even grieving more than you, like Josh's wife, Cammie. Um, what has allowed you to find the strength to be a support system even through your own pain? You know, I think sometimes the fear of not saying the right thing has stopped me um, in the past. But realizing that there there is no wrong thing, right? Like just being available, being there. You know, sometimes I would just send a text to Cami that just said, hi, how was your day? You know, not with any, you know, main intention or, you know, topic of conversation, but just letting her know I was there. So I think just, you know, what's really important when you're helping someone else cope is really just being there, being available, making sure that they know when they're ready to talk, you'll be there. You're there mm-hmm. to listen. You're, you're, you're there. You love them. You care for them and you're available. Yeah, I think I agree entirely. Uh, it's such an uncomfortable situation um, when somebody loses someone they love, right? Um, for everyone involved, right? There's the people who are deeply grieving and then there's everyone on the outskirts. And a lot of times the people on the outskirts want to desperately help, right? They, they, they see people that they love in deep pain and they want to offer their condolences. They want to offer their support and they rush into it. 
And they, by rushing into it, they end up spitting out some coined phrase or cliche that doesn't feel right. Like time heals all wounds, right? <laughs> like, I mean, that's just one that just, just, I mean, they mean well, but that just shoots out at them. And I think what's most important is to keep that in check and to do exactly what you're talking about, to create the space for the human being who's hurting, to not pretend like you have the wisdom or the answers in that moment, because there are no wisdom or answers, right? Um, Yes, time is important. That person who's grieving is going to need a lot of time to figure out how to step forward again, to figure out how to reinvent their lives. Giving them the space, the supportive space to do that is vital. Mm -hmm. Them knowing that your presence is there Mm -hmm. is important. Yeah. And, you know, you made a comment how, you know, initially everybody rushes in, right, to give their condolences, to provide the meals. Um, But it's afterwards, right? Everyone else's life goes back to normal. But the person that this affected, their life will never be normal again. Um, So following up, not just within the first week or the first month, but continuously, you know, making a note on your calendar for the monthly anniversary, because that's a big deal and it's really tough, you know, for those individuals. And so making a note on your calendar, you know, this is the monthly anniversary and then just sending a text, you know, hey, I'm thinking of your loved one. You know, I know today's the four month anniversary. I want to know, I want you to know that I'm thinking of you. I love you. I'm here for you. And just that act of kindness makes a world of difference. Yeah. I think that's a great point. You know, um, and in, in, in that communication, especially as time goes on, right? Especially as the years roll on, um, that kind of communication can include those great stories mm-hmm. about that person, right? I mean, I know Camia specifically loves reminiscing about specific stories that and experiences that people had with Josh, right? I mean, a decade later, right? Yeah. Still in, it appreciates those stories being shared um, in person and in a little Facebook book group that she has in, in his memory. And that's something like, yeah, to to put the note on your calendar, whether it's monthly or every six months or even annually on on his birthday or something like that, or on that person's birthday to bring a a new story to light Mm -hmm. or to remind, you know, your grieving loved one that there was this other, this amazing person who lived and who was amazing. And, and yes, we, 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 you know, let's focus on something amazing that happened while that person was alive. I mean, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. And yet oftentimes the grieving loved one, especially as the years roll on, appreciate that gesture. Yeah. And I mean, this, like you just said, it's not easy. And we often shy away from being uncomfortable and having to talk about this, but it really does mean the world. So, you know, your uncomfortableness to have this discussion, to bring up a dark period in this person's life is nothing compared to what they're going through. So, you know, take a deep breath, send the text, send the phone call, uh, make the phone call, send a card, do what you need to do and be in that space because you're helping making a difference in that other person's life. Be willing to be uncomfortable, right? I mean, that's, that's a big part of this is be willing to, to open the doors to a conversation that won't be easy to have. Mm -hmm. And in in many cases it won't happen, right? But, but you have to be willing to, to, to save space for that human being Um, and to go the extra mile. I mean, to do the hard thing, you know, I I think with, with Cammie, 
Um, you know, in our, in our lives, it's been like being a support system as much as possible for her, you know, being a friend. Um, most recently, uh, her son, Ethan and I are doing a fantasy football league together, which is just awesome. You know, I love that. I I think it's, 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 I mean, it's, it's just for me, like there's this little piece of me that every time I talk to Ethan, it's like a reminder about Josh and Josh's life and his legacy, you know, which is just so incredibly important. So Again, I mean, actually doing, doing the, doing the fantasy football thing is not a hard thing. It's a joy. Um, but yet it's, 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 it's a reminder to go, go out of your way, to make an effort, to be there. Like you said, long after the tragic event, it does, everyone's life goes back to normal. This person's life will not go back to normal. Don't let that get a go over your head. Be there, be present, be a friend, be a loved one. Mm-hmm. Remember what you think you see, you ultimately become. Think better, live better.